who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. So do I call you AV? Do I call you Anne? Yes, you do. AV. AV. AV, thank you for for uh, for hanging out with us here in Vancouver on the Toddcast. Uh, you're welcome. Vancouver. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And uh, and congrats on the release of the new album, Everybody Matters. Thank you. Uh, clearly, COVID did not stifle your creativity. No, it didn't. It actually allowed me to have more because I wasn't running around doing all the things that I'm doing now, like promotion and getting ready for touring. <laughs> yeah, interesting um, because um, uh, a lot of the people that I know in the industry, not a lot, but certainly let's say a third are saying that, that they're like, yeah, I just can't, like creativity's not coming. I don't feel like picking up the guitar. Oh, like during the pandemic or, or yeah. the now times, whatever we call this. We're still yeah. in a pandemic. Let's not sure. kid ourselves. But <laughs> but you, you didn't feel that at all, hey? Uh, no. To, well, I to be honest, no. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that um, I sort of had a built-in audience on my front step. <laughs> How do you mean? And, well, I live in a part of Edmonton called Macaulay, which is a notorious neighborhood in some ways. It's where it's kind of like our the East Hastings version of Edmonton. Oh, okay. If that puts into reference for a Vancouver, right? Yep. Vancouveronian yes. person from Vancouver. Vancouverite, sure. Vancouverite. <laughs> I should know that. I was born in Vancouver. Oh, where are you? Yeah. Okay. But I just, anyways. So, yeah, I, uh, have a lot of walking traffic past my front porch and so uh of people who typically don't get to go to concerts um even pandemic or not right. so it didn't take me very long to realize that i could just get my performance yeah yeah so that way you know what I'm saying? and it's a very good way to do that when you play live to to people you get the instant reaction of like is this song working? Am I on the right track? Am yeah, I... exactly. 
Yeah. Exactly. And so, and I just had some friends join me that had sung with me. One, one friend of mine, Jojo had sung with me the year earlier as a backup singer. And we realized like, Oh, you could sing on the porch too, because we could be physically distanced, you know, two meters doing that. And it was outside. So over the 2020, we put on 26 porch concerts every Sunday. Wow. We did it for 26 Sundays in a row. Um, and it would have been more, but in Edmonton, we don't have as nice weather as you do. Which <laughs> yeah, I know so you're you playing like to in snow in. for a good portion of that. Uh... Yeah, we had to quit for the snow. It, yeah. Well, and then we know, did them again this year. That's that's so. Or cool. not this year, 2021 year. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I hear what you're saying. That's very yeah. cool that you found a way to kind of still reach that audience and still, you know, be able to play for your fans and your friends and stuff. It's, it's cool. Yeah, it was a nice way to sort of have something to do. And it turned out to be a learning curve for me in a lot of ways. And uh, it also, uh, yeah, like leading back to your first question, just about how um through that we ended up like having rehearsals outside and jams and um involving a lot of people from the community in the neighborhood and so I didn't feel like I didn't do anything you know, I did I did a lot of things so you sure did I stayed busy and staying busy I think we all if I think we realized that as much as we have this idea that time off is amazing um think we're just people that need to be a little busy to keep sane i think we learned that at the that pandemic as well yeah i think it, i think you've nailed it well yeah. I, you know i i absolutely i mean i've been playing the album since uh carrie sent it to me everybody oh. matters the the new album your new album um maybe talk about the people that inspired you to do what you're doing today well, yeah, I, again, it like the whole neighbor, like I, I wrote most of the songs of the album sitting pretty much right here on my piano uh, bench, piano right there, um, which is in my attic, which has windows on three sides looking south and east and north. Yeah. And I see a lot of stuff. Uh, if you can imagine having a house on a third with an attic three stories high in a neighborhood similar to East Hastings, then you'd realize that you would see a lot of things. So, and, a and, lot how, of, and how are the acoustics of that room? It looks like it actually would probably sound not bad. Not too bad. I mean, I, I didn't record the actual, like I wrote the sounds here, but I went to, uh, I recorded elements, the actual parts that you hear on the record um, in different places. Right. So none of it was actually recorded here, but it was inspired here. Sure. Absolutely. And um, so, so yeah. who, who, who are those people like the artists and the bands and stuff like when you're a little kid that like maybe that your parents are playing to kind of get you excited? Oh, oh yeah. Well that, okay. Yeah. So the subject matter of the album is stuff that I've thought about and issues and concerns that I've thought about due to living in a neighborhood where, you, where the opioid crisis is a really right. big deal. So is that, but yeah, musically, um, I grew up on my parents' vinyl collection and they had a lot of uh, classical music, but then they also had, which I wasn't very into as a kid, didn't really speak to me. Like but, classical, um, like you mean like like Beethoven, Bach yeah. and all that classical yeah. stuff? like classical, okay. European, yeah, yeah. Like, string. Like not classic rock, classical, no, like classical music. Not cast, no, not classical, no. Yeah. No. Uh, and, <laughs> but I um, kind of got into more of this, they had like some 70s singer songwriter records of people like 
Paul Simon and Leonard Cohen and uh, Cat Stevens. I became a really big Cat Stevens fan. And that's just like all I really was exposed to because I wasn't allowed to watch TV growing up. So I kind of lived in. Yeah, I know. Crazy. It is a little crazy because all my, all my friends, everybody I know makes references to like every, I, I miss that. Like half the jokes people make. I'm like, eh, sure. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. It, it is weird. What, what was the reasoning behind that? It was there one. Well, you should really directly ask them. But my understanding was that. Are they around? Was, I'll ask. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are. And they would love to talk to you. They're retired. <laughs> yes. Right. And. <laughs> You, I don't know how much time you have, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it was a combination of reasons. I think they were just a little put off by pop culture yep. and also uh, just my, my dad was doing his PhD at the time in how kids learn to read and write in how their um, attitudes towards reading and writing long before they even go to school are shaped by what they see around them. And so if you're around people who are reading books and who are creative, you pick up books in a different way than if you're just spoon fed information by TV where you don't have to read and your imagination isn't engaged as much because it's just all given to you. It's all laid out. Right. You don't have to fill in the gaps yourself at all much. So anyway, I was a bit of a guinea pig, I guess, for his PhD. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so anyways, it was just more, we had to make up our own play, our own fun. And I now in retrospect attribute that to how I handled the pandemic, back to your last question, and yep. how um, I'm never bored. I can't ever imagine being bored in my life. Like, I don't relate to that, that state of being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and just being somebody who has always produce shows and albums and is a writer and produce videos and things that you have to see in your mind's eye before they become actualized. Do you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> totally. hundred percent. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and probably when you do actually see those and they're visualized and you've released them, you might go back and go like, Oh, I wish I could just change that one part of that song. Oh yes. I wish oh. I could have changed that pre-chorus to there and, does that, that bug you? Awesome. Like, do you still do that now? Like, can you, oh, yes. can you get away from that? Uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, like sometimes I'll go over, someone will invite me over for dinner, for a dinner party, especially on tour or something. Yeah. And they'll be like, they put my album on and they think that I'm will be honored and I am honored, but I'm like, you have to turn that off. <laughs> like anything but my music, please. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, Oh, this is very unnerving. It's unnerving because it's me and I'm also there, mm-hmm. but it's also unnerving because I can't shut off the analytical, like it's, it's, that was recorded at a time and that time is in the past now. And I've learned things since. And I, you know, you're under budget constrictions and time constrictions too, always with art projects, right? So yep. you do it the best you can in the moment with what you got and then you move on. And you know, sometimes you're proud of it in the moment. You, like, uh, luckily, I'm at a point where I don't, I generally don't have to release things until I'm proud of them. You know, like I can change them until at least in the moment I'm proud of it. But then right. in the moment, like that's a moment, 
right? <laughs> so you move on. Like if you're not constantly learning and challenging yourself as an artist, then you're doing something wrong, you know? Like, well, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of artists that say like once they record the music and they release it, it's almost not theirs anyway. At that point, like you're giving it to your fans, you're giving it to your following and you almost yeah. release that It's a that living song. and breathing thing, right? Like it's just a rendition of a song. It's like, yeah. sure, it's a song that you wrote, but you're covering it as much as someone else is covering it. Like it's yeah. your interpretation at that moment. But an interesting like, I, I'm re-releasing a version of a song I released 10 years ago on this new album. For example. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And, I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's go down that road. So why did you, why did you want to redo a old song? Well, you, maybe it was just didn't get enough of a shake. Like, did you feel it wasn't? Yeah. Really... I, um, I liked the, the original version, but um, it was kind of a more of a folky rootsy album. And I always thought it deserved a little bit more of a, a heavier backbeat and a, a gutsier sort of R&B treatment. And then I met, and it's a duet that I wrote with a singer-songwriter named Matt Epp, who maybe you know of, he's a Canadian singer-songwriter. And we were touring a lot together then, and we wrote it um, when we were touring. And then we recorded it together on the album. And then I, since then, I met this guy named Jory, Jory Kinjo, who's a Calgary-based singer-songwriter and bass player. And he has got, he's got a great voice and he's got a really smoky sort of bluesy voice that I just thought that was the voice that it really needed to be on that duet in my, in my mind's ear. And so, yeah. And so we did a bunch of touring together too. And then at some point when I was thinking about this album and thinking of songs that would fit on it, musically as well as subject matter wise and lyric wise i just thought like this one needs to be on the album again great um yeah so i, I just did it i mean that's the one nice thing about being your own boss is i checked sure. with myself check the boss, with my, yeah and checked with the boss and turns out i wanted gave to approval song, so, yes <laughs> uh, when you're writing songs like how i don't even know how to word this like being a former radio DJ, I radio DJed in Vancouver for 15 years. When you write songs, do you specifically try to get played on radio? And how hard is it to get played on radio? Well, okay, I'll answer your first question first. I don't. Um, I don't do that. I kind of don't. When I'm initially writing a thing, I'm just not trying to analyze and edit self-edit as I go I just just let myself just try not to get not, your own way. yeah just just let it all out and yeah. you know because you can always edit later you can always just entirely throw it out into the garbage if you want right. but I just feel like when you're initially inspired by a thing then you should just record it take you know and then I have a next day test <laughs> right it's a great <laughs> way the, to do it it's yeah the next day I'm like oh I was that was fun in the moment and that was it right yeah <laughs> other times i'm like there may be something there <laughs> yeah i've talked to a, a lot of people that, that write songs or you they'll do exactly what you just said and like listen back and or the next day if they can't remember the harmony or they can't remember the words before they went to bed then probably not very good if it's not memory, oh they do it based on memory okay i yeah. don't do that because i don't remember anything 
<laughs> but I do, I've been in, you know, doing things long enough with various radio promoters and people that are, you know, written hits and, and co-written with people who are hit songwriters and stuff to kind of know when something's appropriate for commercial radio. Because commercial radio is an entirely different beast than non-commercial radio. Oh, 100%. So, like, non-commercial radio is, like, anything. You have a, like, song that involves 17 pan flutes and it's 12 minutes long. If you can find a show on public radio or campus radio or something, like, great. Right. So that's, there's no rules to that. That's, that's just, you want to find somebody who likes it, who will play yeah. it, great. But commercial radio is a very, very narrow, narrow thing that is very conservative. It takes no risks. They'd rather play the songs by people who have a million hits that have made them tons of money right. before a thousand times over before they'll give one person a chance once because the whole perspective is like if somebody changes the dial because they don't know this because people generally like right. what's familiar then they lose advertising money and so it's all about oh, not taking risks you're so you're going to take me down a road that i'm going to start fucking ranting like i right. used to beat my head against the wall and be like, you know, I worked at a rock station. So it'd always be like, mm -hmm. you know, let's just say that hypothetically we played the Tragically Hip and Sloan and Biff Naked and Matt Good and Nickelback and Default and all these other bands, Monster Truck and Pride Tiger and whatever. Let's just say we play these bands 25,000 times over the year. Why don't we play them 20,000 and give right. 5,000 spins to local bands that are playing right. in our scene yeah. Support the locals and the indie music. Yeah. And the same and, and and it was always met with what you just said. Well, they're not on the charts and it's you know it's a two-note yeah. factor, and it's like it's not a two-note factor. If we played it, eventually they would know it. It would be the same as yeah. knowing it's a chicken a and the egg. It's a chicken and the egg, and yeah. it's uh a really I mean, I, I work with a radio promoter, talk to him several times a week in Germany. Oh, yeah. Um, and that his number his job is that. So he comes against the same frustrations of, of trying to promote new talent to right. the stations. And it's a tough wow. job to convince anybody to do anything. But it's especially tough if the song doesn't fit too. Sure. Absolutely. So sometimes you what can, a frustrating job to have. Holy crap. Yeah, he's he's a he's a fighter. Um and uh you know, but he there there, it is true that, for example, on your rock station, if all of a sudden you played Enya, they'd be like, what? Well, I'm not you saying know? play Enya. I'm saying play, <laughs> you know, play a rock band that makes sense to the, to the right. station. Same but, as like so, if it's a pop or a country station. Like, yeah, well, you know. Exactly. So you have to first fit the genre and not be too out of what the sound is of the station. But then there's also just... It's a, it's a tough nut to crack because the music industry, like I said, is really conservative. They just yeah. rather, they, they don't take very many risks. They just want to make money. So mostly people make money on the tried and true versus the new. The new. Yep. So knowing that, I, I think that um, you definitely don't, can't base your career on radio. Like if radio <laughs> works out for you, that's great. But it's, right. it's like, 
basing your career on winning the lottery. So right. you probably, it's yeah. like you might win the lottery and you might win a lot of money, the lottery, but you right. also- Or you might just throw your money away. Not yeah. the reason lotteries make the money that they do and they have the money to give away that they do is because yeah. 99.9% of people do not win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I, I don't know if Carrie, I don't know if you listened to the podcast before jumping on, but, uh, or Carrie told you, um, all of the music that I play on my podcast is all indie. So right. local Vancouver bands. I mean, I, I don't need to play Pearl Jam anymore. I don't need right. to play these bands that everybody knows. Like I'm yeah, going to play yeah. you on my podcast because I want people to know AV. Simple. Well, that's great. We need people like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, there's a lot of that going on. And, uh, but you know what, luckily radio stations are one thing because it's a business, but people, everyday people are different because they're not running a business on it. They're just everyday people that want to hear new right. artists and like, they don't necessarily want to hear all new artists because not all new artists are amazing, but also not all old artists are either. Um, but they're definitely more open to it. So I think you just got to find your, your fans. Right. Yeah. There's and way more. Radio is only one way. You know, for you guys, for, for musicians now compared to like the seventies and eighties, there's more bands, but there's more ways for you to get your music out to the fans. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blessed, like there's, there's pros and cons to how it was in the, you know, the like 60s, 70s, 80s, like the, the big budget times for record labels to be spending yeah. ridiculous amounts on recording and promoting. Right. Which doesn't happen very often though. Oh, not at all. No. And so the big difference was that then they, there was only one way to record an album, which was to go through them. They're right. like the average person did not have this super, super duper expensive studio that they could record in. And they were only owned by their major recording. Like that's I know, right? called record labels. <laughs> they well, record it. So you, you had way less people recording. So you, the average like there was just so much less content being pushed out there per year and per week and per day. Whereas like, I think on Spotify, there's something like 40,000 songs a day that are up uploaded. <laughs> so like wow. you ha we have the advantage of like not having to go through the, the gatekeepers of an A&R company of right. the past to maybe get signed to maybe record records we can just record a record but also so are all these other people um because there aren't any gatekeepers anymore like anyone can record and anyone can put their stuff up on the internet to the major streaming places mm -hmm. so so there's pros and cons to to both eras i would say like oh, sure. there's so much content out there it's mind-blowing yeah. what was your first concert you went to oh geez uh what was my first concert i went to that's a really good question. Like, I remember my first arena concert, which was U2. Oh, wow. I think. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's a good bar. Yeah. But I don't remember. That's a really good question. I can't answer you. Mm. All right. Because I have to remember how old I would have been and what. Let me, let me hit you with one where <laughs> it's really going to put your musical tastes on the map. We're going to know a lot about you from this one question. Okay. It's a cliche question, but I love the question. So give us three albums that you would need if you're stranded on a deserted island. Uh, it says so much about people. Yeah, that it's torture. 
<laughs> I told this, yes, that it's impossible, Todd. That's an impossible. Yeah, thing. like don't ever make me a be stranded on an island, but b with only three albums. Right, only three. <laughs> if you leave that? that album knowing, leave the island knowing those three albums. Like, I will tell you, will not be Dave Brubeck take five only because I had a van that swallowed that CD and wouldn't spit it out again, and so I listened to that CD. <laughs> for a long time like like nine eight or nine months of driving so nothing against i actually love the cd but i don't need to hear it again for a really long time so not that one can cross that one off Mm -hmm. um man it'd be cool to find out what album you've heard the most in your life yeah that one (laughs) you think it's that one well okay no actually Again, it's probably Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon Garfunkel because, wow. yeah, I learned to, uh, my parents very early on realized that they taught me how to put records on the record player myself rather than every 20 minutes me needing right. them to. That was good. So I, age three, I was spinning my own records That's and great. of their collection, that was my favorite. So I know that one really well. Yeah. Um, but what would I want to be stranded with? Jeez. I'd have to pick, you know what? Like a compilation of like a really big, I would pick like a seven CD box. Compilation? Like you're picking like a KTEL record from 1987? Yeah. Well, I, what I mean is that, hmm, that's really hard. I mean, my, my obvious go-tos would probably be something from Aretha. Mm. And um, probably, I don't know. Who else? Like Nat King Cole or something? I don't know. It would be really hard. Just some really satisfyingly well-played, well-sung, well-written, soulful, great stuff. Maybe some Bob Marley. Yeah. I don't know, man. It'd be hard. Yeah, that's an impossible question. It'd be really hard to narrow down. But I probably would pick something in those worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I might I might throw a Beatles album in there. Yeah, yeah. N- not sure which one, but Yeah. 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 I mean the great thing about the Beatles is they did encompass a lot of those those genres. Yeah. So you'd get a lot of genres in in by some right. Beatles. All right, AV, let's get outside of uh, sorry, I'm I'm taking you for way longer than I said I'd oh. probably be like 15, 20, but we're getting Oh, I forgot to even like how long we were yeah. supposed to talk. So, um, so if you're cool, I got a few a few questions I want I want to kind of get to know you a little bit outside of music and what you're known for. And I'm okay. curious now that the way you started this uh, this chat, do you do you binge watch now? Like what are you what have you been binge watching lately? Oh, binge watching? Oh my god. Yes. I think everyone <laughs> binge watched the pandemic. Uh Everyone that had the blessing of having the internet binged watched a lot of things. And we just finished Netflix. Yeah, well, we just finished Parks and Recreation in a record amount of time. Such a good show. Which I'm so sad is like I watch all of it now. I'm kind of sad it's over. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's good when you're like dreaming that it would come with more episodes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was really awesome. I, I needed to laugh a lot in this pandemic. Yeah, and like we uh, all did, yeah. Yeah, that was when we just finished. Um, yeah, because I, I was just like, my partner's all into dystopian, like futuristic stuff. And I was like, oh. but we're living it. Why would you want to watch that for fun? 
we're in it. It's so true. <laughs> we didn't escape. <laughs> I watched something the other day that was very trippy with, uh, I think it was Tom Cruise was like one of the main actors in it. I can't remember the the name of it, but it was on Netflix. Super, uh, like very trippy and the same thing, dystopian. It was very, yeah. like, he was going back in time and kept dying at the same spot and had to like find out oh. how to not die in those spots. And it, I don't, I'm not explaining yeah, right. it well enough, but I've very trippy. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I look out the window, I already seem pretty, it seems like the zombie apocalypse to see all these addicts that are sadly just, yeah, they walk around like zombies and just what's happening in the world. And I was like, I just want to laugh at something silly. So Parks and Rec was my, yeah. was my jam. Do, do you get into the superhero movies and all that? No, not at all. No. <laughs> I just can't. Although uh, I, I ask I only did. because there's like five billion of them now. So, right No, that just seems a little simplistic to me. You know, like I gotta. They're getting a little bit more complicated now, but yeah, like with all the stuff that's going on in the world, one thing and and in the neighborhood is that um, I just feel like things are not good guy bad guy so clean cut. There's bad people that do good things, just good thing people that do bad things. It's not when we're put to the test, like in a pandemic, you people that you thought were good and nice turn out to be selfish or short tempered or whatever, you know? And so like, I feel like one of the big worries I have is how simplistic we want everything to be like black or white, zero or one, yes or no. Don't yeah. give me any nuances. And give me some gray. Yeah, the, the the truth is that things are more nuanced that you can't explain in a forty character tweet, and that you know that's that's kind of my album. It's is just like the humanity of us is more complicated, but also therefore you don't have to write everybody off so easily and be so self righteous either. So yeah, that's how that the times that we're in. I feel people are forgetting that and that's never a good idea the times in history and people forgot that are always lead to the worst times so i hope that we don't do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're smarter than that are you a, are you a big sports fan what do you what do you like to watch what's your who's your team <laughs> i never was a huge sports fan i mean i grew up in edmonton when in some years where edmonton won things yeah long ago um <laughs> yes. But uh, so you're born but, in Vancouver, and then did you move there right away? To, yeah, to we, I moved when we were five. Okay. When I was five. Yeah, you, yeah I was you, five. My parents were not five. Yeah, I got the record. No yes. more fake news on your show. <laughs> <laughs> it's fake news. That's just fake yeah. news. Yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah, your son were born of two five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. That would be a good tablet headline. Uh, anyways, um, but my partner is a soccer coach, and so oh. he. Um, I end up watching a lot of soccer now, like a lot or being in the vicinity of soccer and hearing about soccer, right? everything. So <laughs> I like didn't know who Leo Messi was three years ago. And now I really do. And the, and the crazy so. soccer parents would just take it a little bit too far. Yeah. Well, luckily he coaches mostly here in the inner city. So that's actually nice. Is that because there, I know there's parents like that. Uh, and he, he started a, a program for inner city kids oh. that didn't have one at all. Cause a lot of this, all the soccer places are far in the suburbs. You need to drive 
to them. And it ends up being a thing that's for people of a certain income. Uh, so he just has lots of really excited, grateful kids and parents. Yeah. And they're really good at soccer. A lot of them are from countries where soccer is the main sport. So they're killing it. Um, Alfonso Davis is from our neighborhood. He was a superstar no cool. guy. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. He played. He lived in our exact Chinatown and played in the rink that's down the street from me. Wow. So the kids around here are like totally look up to him like crazy. And um, right. We went to the the games that were played here in Edmonton a couple months ago. Oh, that's fun! That was pretty right exciting. Yeah, oh, we yeah. live right by the by the um, stadium, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, are you watching much of the Beijing Olympics? No, well, and I don't have a TV. Oh, you don't have a TV. I still don't. Like I. <laughs> My parents really got their way. Like they produced a person that has no television in their house. Wow. Yeah. So no, I mean, so, I'm nope. sure it's online. But yeah. It's I, definitely, uh, if you want to search it out, it's definitely online for sure. Yeah. 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 Now that I'm getting so busy with the album release stuff, I'm just, my online time is all like this kind of stuff. So I'm yeah. kind of done with online when I, at the end of the day. Yeah. No, fair. But it is cool. It's cool to see people do things at that level of excellence oh i know it's like, crazy like I, I don't know even if you spent the amount of time that they spend on it if you'd ever even get half as good as they are at some of those things. oh yeah it's it's, it's you, they say for music you got to put in at least ten thousand hours but they have right. to put in there thirty thousand hours something yeah <laughs> yeah all right av yeah. i'll ask you i'll ask you a couple more questions okay uh, and then we'll wrap it up what's the worst job that you've had <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, I easily can answer because I lasted one shift. Um, <laughs> no, actually, the, okay, there's two places they tie for it. They're both waitressing jobs. One was at a place where um, the kitchen was so disorganized that, and I was working a lunch shift, that um, almost all the food got sent back for very good reasons, like moldy bread or like, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. So I, it was a terrible. Yeah. So I was like, I can't work here. Like, no, how can I make like, money? Mid shift. I, I think I'm no. quitting. I think that you guys no. Yeah. And then another place was also waitressing at a place where there was like as a pizza place and a bar, but it was like where all these VLT machines were. So I just had to, and like people like I worked again the lunch shift, and like at 10 a.m. I'd have to get in there and people lined up to go just put their money in these things. And like my job is to bring them their beer so they wouldn't have to get up and order it. Right. So they could just stay there putting their money in the thing, chain smoking. And I was like, this is not inspiring me. Like we just talked about the Olympics and how inspiring they were. Yeah. And then the, the flip of that is watching people just like literally throw their money into a machine totally addicted to gambling and alcohol and cigarettes probably and yeah. i was just like that's rough i don't think i can do this yeah anymore i did write a song though i sat there and i wrote a song and i did get a song out of it oh that's good and that's the thing right with songwriting and and that sort of and just writing in general you never know when it's going to strike you no and you know um as much as adversity sucks I also think that it it's what makes us strong and resilient. And, you know, I live in a neighborhood where there's people from all over the world and, and from a lot of really terrible home situations too that end up over here. And the adversity that they've experienced is far beyond having to be 
in a pandemic for two years. You know, like the pandemic right. is enough, almost like a blip to them of the inconvenience of the trauma that they've seen in their lives or the violence. And um, so I guess that's another thing that helped me manage the pandemic is, is realizing that, that it was, wasn't a big deal to people around here as much as it was to some people that I knew that was really the first really big major upheaval of their lives they've ever had. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, we are not just on this planet to avoid pain. Although, you know, like, I think we're, we're on this planet to handle, to, you know, to be put to the test of what we can handle and see, see what we can learn and see how we can grow mm -hmm. and yeah. Well, I so like that. Hopefully we have. I hope we have. I don't I, know. We're certainly Having getting the news there. Right now is making me think that, but <laughs> right. Um, uh, well, this seg segues nice into the, the last question. Maybe, maybe you have a story. Maybe you don't share a near death story with us where you're like, holy crap, I could have died just now. Oh, geez. Well, I've traveled a lot. I've toured, done a lot of touring. I can remember certain drives there was one drive on the face of a mountain in BC, actually. Like treacherous shit. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to. Um, oh shoot, what's it called? This town on the Sunshine Coast, and you can only get out to it. Sunshine Coast. Uh, by Gibson. It, no, it's north of there. Uh, it will come. You could. There's. There's. It took me longer to get there from Edmonton than it does for me to go to Europe. <laughs> no way, really? Yeah, because there's no road in unless you, like, you, you have to go from either Wells, BC, and then go over a mountain range and then on gravel roads, and which, on gravel roads. Like, or yeah. you can take a flight from Vancouver that only happens three times a week. I will think of it any second now. It's beautiful. It's very remote. Um, and then, or you can go by water if you take a ferry from Vancouver Island and another ferry. Right. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's definitely some. You're, you're hopping. It's going to pop into my mind any second. <laughs> it will. Anyways. Oh, no, it's not that. Anyways, the point is that. Uh, so you're driving on this like crazy. Three bad, times a week, road. there's flights. Yeah. But often there's there's fog where the airport is because this place is in a really deep valley. And so if there's fog, then you have to, rather than taking the, the, the little, little tiny, like 12 seater airplane out from there, you have to go on a school bus <laughs> that drives past the fog up a mountain Good. to this area that's like high up, that's past the tree line or there's another place where the airplane can go. And so, and this road is crazy. It's some, it is nuts. It's somehow a two lane road, but right. it, and there's no, there's no um, barrier. Like there's no arm. What is it called? Arm guard, like guard thing, guardrail. Yep. Um, there's just, there isn't. And you're in this bus and this bus is like, got sh like no shocks in yeah. the backseat, like bumping around. And, around like, and, shit. Yep. and then you look down and you're like, oh my Lord God. <laughs> like, I, ah. and everyone in the bus is leaning towards the mountain as if that helps. Maybe yeah. it helps. I don't know. And 
it's sure, nuts. sure feels like so a drop in the moment. And you're like, holy crap. Okay, I will think of this town. My friend, friend Ted lives there and I went to visit him and I was like, holy crap, that's in my own country. Mm. And there's been a, a couple other roads like that, like the Autobahn in, in Germany is nuts. Yeah, well, nuts. that's but where they're they're doing 200k and 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 you honking can at you if you're not doing you it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like if there's like usually five or six lanes and the trucks take the two slow lanes, and then there's the middle lane that's slow, which is averaging about 180 kilometers an hour, and then you if you can be in the next lane, which if you want to pass them, say, and then the really fast lane, you keep clear for people who drive sports cars oh my god and a couple of times i went in a really fast lane to pass like we're late for sound check usually and um but the rental car that i have is never a sports car so it it, like we're like pedal the metal and we're trying to pack and then we're we're in the really fast lane but first you like your rear view you make sure no one's behind you and no one is so you're like okay you're passing and then suddenly someone is behind you because they that's they yeah. were just not there. And then they were there. It feels like they dropped from a tree. Like I, I just looked to my rear mirror. It's crazy. So oh my God. It sounds can, fun though. Kind of. It's sort of fun, but like you yeah. realize like one little tiny little like jerk of the steering wheel and you're dead. Like, right. When you think of it like that. Sure. Yeah. So you don't want to, and you've seen, I've seen some horrible accidents on there. Like just you drive by and you're like, Oh Lord God. Yeah. Yeah. Touring. Always musicians talk about the touring and like near death stories. Oh yeah. Sure. I, I have yeah. many more than, than that, but yeah, I thought I would have this BC. Okay. I'm going to think of, I can't get Campbell river out of my mind, but it's not Campbell river. It's. Mm. So I will think of it think of... and we'll type it into the podcast when yes. it's broadcast. Yes. We'll, into we'll the make podcast that one of, when it's broadcast. We'll make that one of the, the searchable hashtags or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I guess I got one more question. Where, where do you see yourself? And this is a huge one. Where do you see yourself in, in like five years? Well, hopefully not dead <laughs> on the Audubon <laughs> yes. or off falling up the side of a mountain. Um, <clears throat> well, I have so many more L songs and L like, I just have this backlog of music that I haven't released Really, that I cool. just feel antsy about. Like, it's it's almost like impatient having to promote my music because I just want to you know it's this this album I actually recorded in 2019. It's almost like three years oh. ago that I recorded it. Wow! So I have all this new stuff and new remixes and and just new things and um just antsy to just get it out there, but get it out there properly. And right. So it all takes time. Some, yeah. I mean, yeah. I hope that I can do some more touring. Um, I have some environmental, like ethical qualms about touring. You know, we learned during the pandemic that our earth likes it better than when we don't zip around on it on airplanes sure all the time. Yeah. Well, there's way to, you know, you as a touring artist, there's ways for you to kind of offset those yeah you know, yes there of. are there are i mean i don't know how i always wondered how if you donated like two dollars that would offset <laughs> your whole flight uh better than a kick in the ass i guess so yeah it is yeah very, like, very ima- like imagine if everybody did two bucks suddenly yeah 
That's true. That's true. And I think that, um, I mean, I also read somewhere that it's like the 1% contributes 16% of the world's um, emissions. So that's a lot for a very small handful of people to be contributing. Right. And I'm not one of the 1%. <laughs> right. So not, like, at all. <laughs> far, yes. far from it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I wonder if those of us with the conscience are bearing too much of a guilt trip burden when other people are flying to another planet for some reason. Yep. Seems a little weird to me. Yep. But uh, it's been a long time since I've been on an airplane. It has also for me, I have gone from my home here in the inner city of Edmonton. The furthest I've gone um, since coming back from um, Europe at the end of December 2019 is to get firewood from a friend's house in the country just north of here by about an hour and a half in November of 2020. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're a little shorter. Like for me, it's the Okanagan. I've been up to the Okanagan to see family. I've been yeah. to Tofino just to kind of oh, chill out and well. recharge the batteries. But other than that, because you live in BC, yeah, I'm like you know, Tofino for me is like a four hour, oh. and I'm there. Oh, that must be nice. Kind of, roughly. Nice. Yeah. No, I've been out to get firewood, <laughs> which is really different from how 2019 was in my life. So it's like, okay. well, it's all hopefully coming around here. Yeah, I do have a tour that I'm getting gearing up for oh, in, nice. in uh, early April already. Oh, cool! Not ready for. So, would would that be hitting Vancouver? No, it's it's in Europe. Oh, in Europe! So, oh, wow. Good yeah, that's awesome! Wow. But I I sure miss. I haven't been out to BC for so long. I actually got a message from someone today here at Man the Radio, um, who's BC, and they were like, "When are you coming out?" and you're sort of the second person to ask me now. Yeah. So well, now that you got the album out, expect people to say that more and more to you. Well, yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, uh, I hope you guys have way less problems with floods and fires and yeah, what a crazy year. Yeah, and that it's you know things can be a little bit more balanced for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's in the cards with this album as I roll it out. Yep. And uh, with the pandemic and whatever other apocalyptic things happen to us. That's <laughs> exactly. New we album. don't know. <laughs> AV's new album, Apocalyptic. Yeah. Coming out in 2023. Yeah. Oof. I hope hope not because I hope I'm wrong. Right. Um, AV, thank you again for jumping on. Um, you're easy to find on Twitter and Instagram. Is it Anne Vrend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anvrend.com as well. Yeah. It's like friend with a V. Yeah, that's why I figured. I was like, eh, maybe it is, maybe it's not though. But well, anyway. I, I the bro, the official pronunciation is Anne Frint. It's a Dutch there we go. name. See, so no one. That's why I just do the A V because yeah, yeah, yeah. A V is easy to remember too. Oh, it, and I have my music directly for sale on my Shopify store. Yes. So how did we find that? Um, you just go A and in Shopify, and you'll find me easily. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I'll, I'll put some links in when you're broadcasting your yes. show. Yeah. Let me know, uh, shoot them over to Carrie as well. And then we can put them in all that stuff as well. Oh so. yeah. She's got them. She's okay. got them and 
people have been ordering, which is really nice uh, because uh, it's way better than going through a third party for me. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, congrats again on the on the album. Everybody matters. AV. I guess we'll we'll see you online. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your show. Okay. Rock on. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused, and you have no idea where this came from? No, she was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh, not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every night.